Welcome to the Gold Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features David Luff. We are living in a day in which it seems like, it feels like that we are on the threshold of something really wondrous is going to take place. And you, you can't help but Really, when you're waiting on God, you're saying, you know, Lord, we sense this. What is it that you want to say to your people in this hour? Because you know, (laughs) you know it is an important hour. But it seems like that scripture that Jesus said, you know, when you're, when you're called before those to, and, and to give a testimony or don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll tell you what to say when the time comes. So it seems like, at least in my experience, that's what's beginning to happen. So you begin to think something like this, some kind of crescendo is about to take place. And so what, what, what we want to do, at least I feel like what we want to do is really zone in on where we fit in what God is doing right now. And, and we must, we must take this responsibility more seriously than we have ever taken it before. And if we do that, then every ounce of the flesh has got to go. There is no room for that at all. We can say, you know, we can say to God, well, we have paid the price. We have paid a price. But He's going to say, have you paid the full price? (laughs) Because everything about the attraction of the world the essence of the flesh and the temptation of the evil one, we must get to that place where we can say, as Jesus comes, said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. I'm not that place yet. But I'm recognizing that it's important to focus... (laughs) to think about, to to wait on God to do to do what only God can do. And and I was thinking tonight as we were singing that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Sometimes it's not big sermons and things like that. What God has impressed on me in the last couple, three weeks as I've been trying to prepare for this camp is just 
Let your eyes gaze upon Jesus. Study Him. Look at what He did. Read about what He did. Read about what He said. Meditate on what He said. And focusing on that. I, we, we have a grandson who, who, who likes to play golf and, and, uh, and he's always, he, he's playing competitive golf now and he, he's always watching some golfer. <laughs> he's, 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 he's got the golf channel on and he's observing this particular golfer and his swing and everything. And, you know, I can look at it and say, well, you know, Swing's pretty good, I guess, but but he's looking at where he places his hands on the club. He's looking at the how they orient with each other. He's looking at how far the club goes back. He's looking at where the right arm is, the left arm is, all of that thing. He's studying that to try to improve his swing. And it, as I thought about that, I thought that's what we need to do with Jesus. Just watch him. Look at him. Gaze upon him. There's so much of the life in the Spirit is miraculous. We can't explain how it happens. It just happens. When we do the right things, when we, when we focus on the Lord, as we meditate upon him, as we think about him, as we worship him, as we admire him, as we elevate him, something happens to us. And we, we are transformed a little bit more into the image of Him. You know, as you, as you think about what is God's, you know, if, if we want to understand how we fit into the, into what God is doing, we need to know what His plan is. We need to, we need to know to the extent that He will share it with us, we need to know His ultimate goal and where we fit into that. And the Scripture is pretty clear in letting us know what the ultimate purpose of God is. And then when we look back at all the actions of God, all the way back to the beginning of the Old Testament with the, with the book of Genesis we see God carrying out that plan step by step, tight by tight, shadow by shadow, here a little, there a little, one piece upon another, one brick upon another, one stone upon another, creating this for us, this undeniable picture of what He's doing. And I just like to read a couple of scriptures here. The first one is from Colossians, the first chapter, and I'm going to read verses 15 through 19 from the King, New King James Version. And this is what it says. And 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 listen for listen for these key words that give us an insight to what God's ultimate long-term goal has been. He, speaking of Christ, is the image of the invisible God. Right there we get a picture that Jesus 
was God in the flesh. No arguments there, right? The firstborn over all creation. Jesus was with God from the beginning. He was God in the beginning. And as the Gospel of John chapter 1 says, everything was made by Him, so nothing that was made was not made by Him. Everything was made by Him. He was the first. He was before creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, all things were created through Him and for Him. Let's let that sink in a minute. All things were created through Him. In other words, He created them all. And they were created for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him, all things consist. The entire, cre- the entire creation, the entire universe is held together by Christ. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. What is preeminence? Anybody want to take a stab at what preeminence is? What's it mean? What did you say? Authority overall. Authority overall. Anybody else? Another word. Some English majors, surely, or some. Well, another word would be supremacy. He's he's supreme. He is. He is the top of the top. <clears throat> that all thing, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Now, it says he is the head of the body, the church. So if he is to have preeminence in all things, he must have also preeminence in the church, which is the body of Christ. He must be supreme. If he is supreme, then nothing else can be equal to him. And the Lord has sort of been speaking to me, and and he's probably... Speaking to you, we need to get to the place where we're willing to say to God, God, what else is equal or even above you in my life? Because, and we must pray that prayer with all sincerity and an expectation that God will show us. And I am 
sure without a bit of doubt that He will show us if we pray that prayer. And then we must submit that thing to God. And we must ask Him to to help us to to be our strength. (laughs) Not just to help us, but to just take over us. it's hard. It's a hard thing to explain some things in the in the in the spiritual. We we don't we don't really have the words to really do that. But somehow we need the miraculous performance of the Spirit of God. But He is looking for that earnestness that we want Him to be supreme. And whatever whatever is 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 equal to or even above him, all that's got to go because he must have the preeminence in all things. Now, as we, as we go through this weekend, I want us to see where, where we, where he's calling us to, to fit into this. Now, he's got to have the preeminence, but what's our, if we, if he is preeminent, what's our part? What's, what role do we have? In this plan, we need to, we need to know that and understand it. But one thing is for sure. He is going to have the preeminence in all things. And especially in the first fruits, which is his body, the church. Now, whether we are, are willing to, to allow that to take place in our lives is up to us. We have to decide that. One more passage, Ephesians 1, 7 through 11. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself. He didn't take counsel with any anybody else on this. This was for His pleasure and according to His purpose. And it was a mystery up until this point where Paul revealed it. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in her in earth in him. Now what things are left out of all things in heaven and in earth? Huh? Nothing. <laughs> That's right. Nothing. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. God had His plan laid out before the foundation of the world. He planned that His glory would be manifested in His Son, Jesus. It is also His plan for mankind to manifest the glory of Christ. God's glory 
was made manifest in the Son. And now His purpose is for the Son's glory to be manifested in the church. This is why man was created in the first place. We were made for Jesus. The reason we are here on this earth today, God created us. He created, He created everybody. And one day that will happen. But there seems to be an order in the way things in, in the way, in, in God accomplishing His plan. So He doesn't just go from zero to a hundred all at once. He has steps that He goes through to accomplish it. But, but Paul is telling us this is where He's headed. This is where He's going. This is what He has in mind to do. And it says, in Him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now, I I can't talk to you much about predestination, that sort of thing. But but I can say, I, I think I can say this and be on solid ground. If If you have been predestined for this, you will know it in your heart that God has called you for this. <laughs> and we don't, you know, we, we, we can't judge one another. Sometimes we can't even, we can't even judge ourselves. But, but you know, if there's some, if there's some spark in you that says, if somebody comes in and offer and paints a picture of a different way to go and makes it look wonderful, you just couldn't go there. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't get up out of your seat and follow that because there's something that God has put in your heart that a sense of an inheritance that He has put in there and you cannot go another way. Now, <clears throat> so from that standpoint, we do have a choice in another, I guess in another standpoint, we don't exactly, if God has chosen us, I guess the difference is we can either go the easy way or we can go the hard way. <laughs> but but God is going to, I believe God is going to get us where He wants us to go. Amen. And you know, there may be people that come in, there may be people that go, that's that's okay. You know, God is going to get everybody. <laughs> Eventually, he is going to get everybody, but he's going to do it. Let me say this and we'll see more about it as the weekend goes, but he's going to do it through companies. He doesn't, he, he, the, I guess if there's any central theme that, that I, I would, I would like to, to, to leave with us this weekend is God uses the few to reach the many. <laughs> but the few that He uses to reach the many, the requirements for the consecration of those people 
is total and complete. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he left the church on earth to live out his victory on the earth and to execute the judgment that he had secured. I've often wondered about this. I thought, you know, why when you cast Satan out, Lord, why did you cast him to the earth? Why didn't you send him to Saturn or Mars or some place where he could not create so much havoc? But for some reason, we need that stretching that he provides because of his harassment of us. We need to prove out that which Jesus accomplished as far as his, as far as a legal judgment of Satan is concerned. He leaves him here for us to prove out the victory that he has already won. Turn to Ephesians the sixth chapter. If you don't, if you don't believe that, just read this. Beginning with verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, when we look at what's going on in the world today, we can get so aroused, so het up, so angry, with flesh and blood. But Paul tells us here, that's not who our battle is against. You know, when Jesus, when Jesus was being interrogated by Pilate, and Pilate was asking him about him being a king, and he said he was a king, and he asked him about his kingdom, and Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my disciples would fight for me like your army fights for you. But my kingdom is not of this world. He did not say my kingdom is not for this world. He said my kingdom is not of this world. Andy mentioned that in his opening comments this evening. The kingdom of God is evermore for this world. But it has no resemblance to the kingdoms of, of men for natural governments. Is there a government associated with the kingdom of God? Absolutely there is. And the, and the government that is spelled out, described to us in the New Testament, that describes the order, the government of the church, is the government of the kingdom. There's an absolute government of, of the kingdom. But what Jesus was saying is there's nothing about it. The kingdom of God is, is, is not some slow transformation of, of government of man getting so good, it just crosses over into the kingdom of heaven. No. You know, the, 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 the vision that Daniel had 
was that when that little stone hit the image, it totally crushed it, made dust out of it, and blew the dust away. There was nothing of it left. There was no semblance of it. Nothing, no, nothing that, that, that lasted. And so the kingdom that is coming, the, the, the thing that is, that is growing up in us even now, that's why don't waste your time agonizing over human governments. Does it, does it mean that, you know, I, I thought about this when, when Pilate asked Jesus that, was Jesus saying, you know, I'm not interested at all in what I don't, you know, I don't care what you do here. I really don't care, you know. Hey, whatever you want to do, persecute people, whatever. No, I'm, I'm interested. My mind's all off here. I don't think that's what he thought at all. I think he agonized over what he saw. It was painful to him to see what was going on, but he knew that there wasn't any way that it was ever going to be sorted out by human government. He knew that the only thing that would do it would be the kingdom of God. And there were steps that have to be taken in order for that to take place. And God is patient with with us. He is patient with His plan. We're the ones that aren't patience, patient. We want to see things happen all of a sudden. But if, if it happened all of a sudden and we were thrust into that, we wouldn't have a clue of what to do. I mean, we're still struggling on how to deal with issues in the church right now. Now, God will get us there, but He will get us there in His good time and not throw us into something we're not ready for. But He will get us ready, and when the fullness of time comes, then it will happen. And and His His church will be ready to step across that threshold from the natural kingdom into the spiritual kingdom and not feel a bump at all. Because we're already living in that way. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hopes of wickedness in the heavenly places. Who is behind all of the chaos? Satan is. And his cohorts. And he's got them. He's got his angels. He's got, he's got his, he's got his people. (laughs) He does. He has that too. But that's not our, our war is in the prayer room. It's not, it's not in the political realm. it's it's hard it's hard for the natural to just to to leave that alone and to say all that's going on doesn't matter it doesn't bother us we're we're too high we're 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 too high and holy to be concerned about that that's not what that's saying at all it's because we are so concerned about what we see 
that we want to follow the one who, the only one who can bring a resolution to all of this hell on earth. Therefore, this is what he tells us to do. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What he's saying is the victory that I won on the cross through the shedding of my blood. And not only did, did, did he accomplish the forgiveness of our sins, but and eliminated the thing that caused that indebtedness, which was the law, the Scripture said it was nailed to the cross. And that was the thing, that was the thing that Satan had to hold against us was the law. And so when Jesus dealt with the law on the cross, on our behalf, that dethroned Him. That took away his authority. Now, he has moved, he, he is now in a place of usurpership of Christ. Christ is now on the throne. All, that's why when he, when he cried out on the cross, he said, it is finished. Everything that I needed to do has been done. And now, I am leaving this with the church and with the power and influence and infilling of the Holy Spirit to make what I have done manifest in the earth. Stand, therefore. That's what he says to do. You stand up. You stand the ground. You hold the ground. You don't have to take any ground. I've taken the ground. You just stand and hold what I have, what I have won. <laughs> having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this is what he has called us to do. And I think I want to read maybe one more scripture and we'll we'll call it a night tonight but we're we're not at the end colossians chapter 2 verses 14 through 16 having wiped out this is the scripture i was referring to just a second ago having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That law which created that constant 
indebtedness to us that we could never get around because we couldn't obey the law, Jesus took care of that on the cross because He obeyed the law perfectly. And he, and His shed blood was what was required to forgive us of all of our sins. But then, this is what I have missed so, so, so long. Having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. So what, G, what, what Satan does now is he operates from a position of, of usurping. He, he is, it's like he had a, he had a government or, or, or a, a place of authority. It's like a government that is, has authority and has, has a president and so on. And another country comes in and takes them over and boots them out and sends them into exile, and they're now in the authority. But then, the one who had authority no longer has the authority of power, but now has just anger. <laughs> and he operates in a guerrilla warfare type way. But his authority is gone. He has no authority over us. He has the ability, God has allowed him the ability to harass us and not make it necessarily an easy way, but he has no authority over us. And when we are, when he confronts us with his ugly self, we need to do what the scripture says to do, to resist him and He will flee from us. We have an authority of Christ that we can say, we do not have to cower. We can say, be ye gone. <laughs> you know, I have no, I don't want to talk to you. I have no part of you. I don't need to debate with you. I don't need to get in an argument with you. You just be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you tonight for bringing us back together again and Lord helping us to see what you're doing to to sort of refocus our vision on what you are doing and Lord to see how we fit into that plan and purpose that you have Lord, we know that to those who much is given, much will be required. And Lord, we just pray that as we gaze upon Jesus, that the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit will just flow through us as it flows, as the sap flows from the vine to the branch. But Lord, we don't want to just be a branch that reaches out and just takes some, some life from the vine. We want to submit the branch to You and let You just flow in that spiritually natural way through us. 
Let, let us not covet any kind of, of, of elevation or being lifted up or, or, or let us not be jealous of one another. Let us not be envious of one another. Lord, let us always be willing to, to give place to, to another. To, to let you have the glory in everything, Father. We just want to find our little place and fit in it, Lord. We will let you take care of all the other stuff. We just want you to have the recognition. We want you to have the glory. We want you to have the praise, Lord. And help us, Lord, to, to, to be, to stand back, to, to stand down, if you will. So that you might have the preeminence, Lord. That you might have the preeminence, preeminence first in us, Lord. That, that we might uh, blend together as one new man as was prophesied tonight, Lord. That we would, that we would be one, one body where all, all things are our individual selves, Lord. We, we know that there's importance there, but we want to we want to flow together so that we are we we work we function as one man, uh, directed by your head, our head, your Son Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would bless your people tonight. Lord, our brothers and sisters in Christ who have all partaken of the same Spirit that we have wherever they are, Lord, we love them. We recognize them. We depend upon them. Lord, we depend upon their prayers. We, we depend upon each one filling the place that You have created for them. Lord, we just uh, thank You. We thank You for who You are. We, we thank You for Your wonderful plan. And we thank You, Lord, for calling us to be a part of that plan. Bless Your people tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.